Church, we are in our second week of a series called Red Carpet Ready. We are talking about the movies that are going to be recognized this year at the Academy Awards. And we're talking about how we can engage our faith with the world around us through film. Today's film that we're going to talk about is called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It is Tom Hanks being Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. It is up for a Best Supporting Actor award for Tom Hanks. And, um, and it's special to us because Mr. Rogers uh, was a Presbyterian minister. So let's pray together and we will study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. and We pray that we would do something good with it. In your name, amen. May 9th, 1969 was 50 years before A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was released in theaters across the country last fall. It is the day that Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood aired their 195th episode. And I'm hoping that we have a clip uh, to show you of that episode. Oh, there's Officer Clements. Hi, Officer Clements. Come oh, in. Mr. Rogers, how are you? Fine. Won't you sit down? Oh, sure. Just for a moment. It's so warm. I was just uh, putting some water on my feet. Oh, it sure is. Would you like to join me? It looks awfully enjoyable, but I don't have a towel or anything. Oh, you share mine. Okay. Sure. Do you know what was going on in American history in 1969? There was a time when people were separated by the color of their skin, and that included swimming pools. Fred Rogers spent his whole life finding ways to help children talk about their feelings, express their frustrations, and to work their way through very difficult adult events that were happening in the world around them. And because he did it in a way that children could feel welcomed and enter into his world, he removed barriers that many adults have around them. And he invited them into his world as well. The way that Mr. Rogers approached this very heated issue was so gentle and so winsome that it would be very hard to speak against it without betraying one's own humanity. And although the vast majority of the world knows him as Mr. Rogers, the Presbyterian Church has always been very humbled and honored to call him one of our own. Because you see, before his television show ever aired, he was ordained by the Presbytery of Pittsburgh on June the 9th, 1963. And he is one of the few Presbyterian pastors who was ordained to a ministry of what they call evangelism and witness. I am ordained to a ministry of the word and sacrament that puts me here in a local congregation, but he is one of the very few that was ordained and became reverend so that he could have a ministry that would impact the world. From there, Fred Rogers went on to share the good news of the gospel in the most humble and inviting and kind way for an entire generation of kids and parents and still impacts the world today. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was Fred's lifelong attempt to answer a very simple question. 
Who is my neighbor? And that's the question that was asked of Jesus himself. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? I think that's a great way to handle questions from lawyers. Well, what's written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall, not should, not kinda, not maybe, not helpful suggestion. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Now do this and live. But you know you can't just do that, right? That's not how it works. Lawyers are going to have more questions. They are looking for loopholes. So he asks Jesus, well, then tell me who is my neighbor. And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And now by chance, there was a priest going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Catch that. He passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. So after this man is beat up by the world, the first thing that happens is that people see him. Seeing one another is a great first step, but it's only the first step to being a good neighbor. Now, we could sit here and argue that we see people all the time. In fact, I see you right now. I physically see you. I see that you are wearing clothes, which I deeply appreciate. And I see that you are looking at me. And believe me, I notice and I see every time that you look at your cell phone when I'm speaking. Didn't think I caught that, did you? I see you in this moment, but I don't really see you. You know that, right? There's a difference. That I see you, but I don't really see you. My mind is not focused on seeing your eyes because I'm thinking in the back of my head, the Sunday school team is going to kill me because service is going to run over. So I don't actually see what is hiding behind your eyes. My heart is not really able to see your heart right now because it's not just you and I. There's a hundred other people in the room and there's a lot going on, so I don't really see you. And honestly, that's how most of us live our lives. We see people all the time, but we don't really see them. But Jesus did. Even in the busiest, the most crowded places where it seems like everyone was trying to vie for his attention, Jesus truly saw people that needed to be seen. And so Fred Rogers, as a follower of Christ, followed what Jesus did, and he made it a point to really see people. In that little part of the episode that we just watched, the first thing that happens is that Mr. Rogers saw Officer Clemens. And in fact, he said, oh, there's Officer Clemens. He saw him. He named him. And what is so subtle is that Mr. Rogers had already set up a scenario, you'll think about this as I tell you, where he didn't really have to see Officer Clemens if he didn't want to. If you go back and look at that, remember, Mr. Rogers' head was down. He was pouring water into the pool. He was talking to the audience. Had he wanted to, he could have easily not seen Officer Clemens. 
And we do that sometimes, don't we? We see someone in public at a restaurant or a store, and we don't want to be bothered. And so we become fascinated with the menu or the nutritional label on the back of the box of cereal because we don't want to see them. But Mr. Rogers saw people. And that's one of the most striking aspects that you'll see in the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood because it shows not just Mr. Rogers seeing people on TV, but him seeing them in real life. There's a scene in the movie where his producer is desperately trying to get him to start the show. And there's a little boy that has special needs, and his family has brought him to see Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Rogers, who is this very big, important person with this television show, and all of these people, stops. And he spends time with this little boy and this family, much to the frustration of his producer. He was good at seeing people in real life. And in the movie, he keeps this list. It's a list that he also maintained in his real life of people that he has met that he feels that he needs to be praying for, not just by name, but by heart. And he sends these handwritten notes, and he follows up with phone calls and home visitations. Mr. Rogers, who never had a congregation as we understand church, had a huge congregation that he cared for. And those weren't just the things of Mr. Rogers on television. That was the real life Mr. Rogers. So much so that the reporter character in the movie is trying to desperately find that place where the act that is Mr. Rogers is different than the real life Mr. Rogers. And he becomes odd when he discovers that actually they are one in the same. The first tip that the, that the reporter gets is when he goes into an interview where he's supposed to be interviewing Mr. Rogers and he walks away having told Mr. Rogers his whole life story. When we think about what it means to follow Jesus, we're not talking about putting our faith into a box on Sunday mornings. We just whip it out when it's necessary. We're talking about living a life in the most mundane, everyday ordinary activities that reflects the heart of Christ. When Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, he shares that there are three people, three of them, who saw the man in need. You have a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And the scripture records and tells us very clearly, they all saw him. They all saw him. But when you are intensely scrutinizing the daily special at a restaurant to avoid eye contact with someone, that doesn't mean that you saw them. It means that you didn't want to be bothered. Because once you see someone, really see them, you have to then make a choice about how you're going to respond. So the priest saw the man, and he made a choice, and he passed by on the other side. That's all we have in Scripture. Did he pass by out of judgment? Oh, this, this is not my place to get involved. Did he pass by because he was busy? I've got to Got to teach a Bible study on Leviticus, no time for this. Did he pass by because it was someone that he didn't want to be associated with? Or, or that he was afraid of? Or, or that he had stereotyped? Oh, they've got a Manatee High School football shirt on. I am not going over there. Not going to happen. We don't know. We don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us 
about this. All scripture tells us is that there was somebody in need. The priest saw him, and the priest's response is to walk away. And so did the Levite. The Levites, they were the assistants to the priests in the temples. These are, these are spiritual lay leaders. They're distinctly set apart to serve the people of God. And here again, the scripture says that the, the Levite came, he saw the man, and he walked away again for the second time to the point of crossing the road just so that he wouldn't have to deal with him. That, that has always bothered me. The Levite and the priest didn't even have enough integrity to say, we see you, but we're just busy and we don't care. We don't think that you're worthy. Instead, they just moved themselves away. Have you ever moved yourself away so that you didn't have to see or you didn't have to hear about someone or, or something in need? Isn't that the reason that we often change the channel when the news comes on? Or why we don't go to meetings when we know that they're going to ask for volunteers? Because, see, if we don't see it, if we don't hear about it, well, well then we absolve ourselves from having to do anything about it, which is not faithful. It's not faithful. But then along comes a Samaritan. And before we talk about the Samaritan, let's talk about this man who fell into the hands of the robbers. Sometimes, we tend to assume that he was a Jew, but Scripture doesn't say that. Was he a Samaritan? Scripture doesn't say that either. In fact, the only thing that we know about this man is that he was a man. There is no color, no age, no idea if he's single, married, has kids at home, has a job, nada, nothing. He is just a man. But the Samaritan is one that we do know something about. Samaritans were the less than members of the community, they were the ones who, had they been beaten, they most certainly would have been left for dead. Maybe, maybe it is that, that having been someone who, who no one would have stopped for himself, the Samaritan was so moved with pity that he stayed on the side of the road. And scripture tells us that the Samaritan also saw the man. Now, like I said before, it is one thing to really see people, and it's quite another to respond to them. And this is portrayed beautifully in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood when Mr. Rogers repeatedly sees something going on in the life of this reporter named Lloyd Vogel. This is a true story based on an article in Esquire magazine. And instead of just seeing what is happening in Lloyd's life, Mr. Rogers responds to it. One of the most poignant parts of the movie is when Mr. Rogers shows up unexpectedly at the home of Lloyd's father, who is dying. And upon walking into the room, is able to identify every member of Lloyd's family by name, having never actually met them in person. And he becomes a catalyst for reconciliation in one of the hardest moments of Lloyd's life. Now, what is so stunning about this scene is that Mr. Rogers already knew, already knew prior to walking in that door through previous conversations with Lloyd, how Lloyd's father had abandoned Lloyd and his mother when she was dying, how he had been estranged from him for years, how tense their relationship was. And the reason he knew that is because the first time that Mr. Rogers met Lloyd Vogel, his nose was broken. 
and there had been months in between that meeting. But Mr. Rogers saw Lloyd. He remembered Lloyd. He put himself into Lloyd's life, and he showed up for Lloyd. Everything about this entire situation is super messy. And this wasn't even Mr. Rogers' own family. It wasn't his problem. He was very busy filming his television show, traveling around, doing all kinds of interviews, and yet, and yet, seeing the pain that life had caused Lloyd, he felt compelled to respond. And he went over and above to show mercy. So did the Samaritan. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. He put them on his own animal, brought, them, brought him into an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you for whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. I want you to notice that the Samaritan said, I will come back again. It's not just that I saw you. It's not that I went in and I did the first aid, the triage. I will come back again. One of the most striking things I heard from Pam this morning as she was giving that testimony was talking about this little girl who could not read. And, and everybody, everybody is in a panic about kids not being able to read. They're, they're very focused on it. Very few people understand that if a child cannot see, they cannot read. And if you do not address some very basic life issues like sight, like dental care, it does not matter what method you use to teach them to read if they cannot see and they do not have basic things. It takes the ability to see people, to respond to people, and to stick with them to make significant life change. Now, some might consider the Samaritan to be a hero. And in this movie, Lloyd actually asks Mr. Rogers, do you think of yourself as a hero? And he responds in this way. Hello, neighbor. Hey, I'm looking for Fred Rogers in here. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Mr. Rogers, I'm here to interview you. It is so nice to meet you. You okay? Profiling Mr. Rogers. Lloyd, please don't ruin my childhood. This piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. keys on a piano at the same time. 
okay. I think the best thing we can do is to let people know that each one of them is precious. best thing that we can do is to let people know that each one of them is precious. When I started putting this series together, this was not the movie that I had originally picked for today. Uh, the movie I had originally picked for today was Joker, which is uh, pretty far from, from where we are. And then it was brought to my attention that today is my 10th anniversary of being the pastor in this place, your pastor, and, and I thought that is not the right movie for today. <laughs> but when I think back to, to, to 10 years ago to where I was and, and where you were at, at that point, one of you came and, and reminded me that the very first hospital visit that I did when I became the pastor here was over to the cardiac ICU unit at Blake Hospital. And it does not escape me that the very last, most recent visit that I have made was to the cardiac ICU unit at Blake Hospital. And in between that time in the last decade, there have been countless hospital visits and countless mistakes and church potlucks and handwritten notes and six or seven or 18 replacement air conditioners and hard decisions, and laughter, and tears, and babies, and funerals, and every once in a while a pretty decent sermon. But at the end of the day, the thing that I think defines the last 10 years is that although I didn't always get it right, and although you didn't always get it right, we have tried our very best to let people know that they are precious to us, and most especially to God. And we have tried in multitudes of ways to love people well. The Samaritan really saw another person, and he responded with mercy that was born out of faith. Mr. Rogers saw thousands of people. He really saw them. And he responded with incredible mercy that many of them never knew came from a rock-solid faith. So my prayer is that we will always be a congregation that always sees people, no matter how busy we are, and responds to them with a mercy that is rooted in knowing that every one of us is precious to God, and so is our neighbor. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for the ability to be good neighbors. And we ask your forgiveness when we're not, when we're too busy, too self-absorbed, too whatever. Be with us. Be with this congregation as we seek to see people and to remind them how precious they are. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>